Welcome back once again to the Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast. Yes, you hear EC3's theme music in the background there. Uh, no, it is not because we will be giving a full in-depth preview of Slamversary because I talked to my crew and none of us collectively feel that the upcoming TNA pay-per-view Slamversary deserves a proper in-depth preview. I subjected myself to reading the spoilers moving forward that TNA just taped and uh, those are all things that are going to air after Slammiversary. Slammiversary feels like just kind of this thing that they had scheduled and were obligated to take care of because they booked the time and the space and the flights and whatever else and um, yeah I don't really feel like it bears a proper preview, uh, nor do I feel that we're going to take time to review it. I may catch bits and pieces of it at some point, uh, but it's not going to be the uh, big focus of my week. The big focus of my week coming up, which we'll get more into on our midweek episode, is the upcoming July 4th Tokyo pay-per-view, The Beast in the East, or something like that, that WWE is going to be putting on. So, yeah, I will say that I did see the Jarrett return. Uh, I was very surprised to see that on the live impact this past week. I thought it was a great promo that he and Karen Jarrett cut in the ring. Uh, Ultimately, I think he is probably going to win that King of the Mountain match. Um, Spoiler alert here, he's not really, at least unless they do some pre-tape stuff, not featured on any impact television moving forward after the show. So... I don't know if he was just brought in kind of as a co-promotional thing as well as to help maybe help pop a pay-per-view rating as a last-ditch effort. Uh, Matt Hardy's back on the television. Not really sure what that's all about. But yeah, Slammiversary is going to be tomorrow. I record this on Saturday. Slammiversary is tomorrow, and I we just couldn't muster up the energy to do a proper preview for it. So what we do have for you today... Uh, Myself, Celis, and Two Chames discussed the premiere of the, I believe, sixth season of Tough Enough, uh, positives and negatives of it, and um, yeah, so that's what you're about to hear, so enjoy the plus and the minus of Tough Enough. All right, everybody, welcome to this week's Plus Minus segment. Uh, Aaron here, going to moderate tonight. We have uh, two of my other co-hosts with us. First, Two Chains, how you feeling today? What's up, buddy? How are everybody doing tonight? Good, 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 good. And we have uh, Mr. Silly Sellis. What's up, man? I'm not doing that good right now, Aaron. Um, What's wrong? Let me explain. You know, as we continue to, to get fans, and stuff like that. I like to dwell a little bit of my personal life. So I have a little story I have to tell today. Okay. So me being a teacher, you know, like you are, Aaron, we have to go through things like what's called the praxis test. 
And with the praxis test, it's basically any type of certification you got to do in order to be certified to teach what you got to teach. So, of course, all teachers got to go through their praxis one phase, which is like the SAT all over again. And I'm sure, too, change. you probably have to go through some certification tests, you know, get your government clearance or, you know, anything you got to do. So everybody has some type of clearance. So I'm right now a certified physical education teacher. No problem. I probably took the praxis to for that probably about seven, eight years ago. And when I took it, you know, of course, when we think about how technology is nowadays, it's much, much different than it was even when we were back in college back then. I mean, Maps have taken over the world now. iPhones weren't that great. You know, people had smartphones, but it, I mean, it was it was plain. So today, I had to take the practice too. And with me taking the practice too, I knew I couldn't use my phone or anything. But I was a little bit anxious because I'm trying to get health certified based off a new teaching position I got. So when I went in there, it literally was like Fort Knox. And once again, I'm not the greatest test taker in the world. I'll be honest with you, fans. I didn't even break a thousand on my SAT. I am a book smart person, but I probably be the dumbest test taker in the world. Like I do not do well. I guess it's just anxiety comes in and everything. So when I went in there, as soon as I get in, it was like Fort Knox, like I said. So I got in there. They was like, here, sign this, and you got to make sure you sign everything in cursive. Now let me start right there. I haven't written in cursive except <laughs> my name for probably like since the third grade. <laughs> so I had to write like a page of work to verify that I am who I am, all in cursive. And literally, it took me like 15 minutes to write that. Literally, it was like a, a page long I had to do. So when I got in there, they said, here, empty all your pockets. I need you to literally empty all your pockets, put whatever you have in there, in this box, take the lock box, take the key, and keep your pockets unfolded. So I'm literally walking out with my shorts on, pockets out, like I'm trying to get, you know, into a club or into a sporting game. And then as soon as I get there, I had to sign my name on this line like it was my ID, and it had to be the exact same way. And then they put one of those security measures to go up and down my body to make sure I had nothing else in my pocket, not even a watch to see if I can cheat. Did you take this in a so penitentiary I, or something? Uh, say it again? Did you take this in a penitentiary? I, I think it was a penitentiary. Like, literally, it was in one of the good places of the D.C. area that I was going to say. I'm not going to shout out to the city. But, like, literally, all this had to happen before I take the test. Now, literally, when I took the test, I probably was sweating and breathing hard for about five minutes before I could get myself together. And the test was like two hours long. Granted, I missed it by six points. I'm going to oh. retake it in July. But I know I answered some questions that I could have gotten right. I have seen stuff like I've never seen before. Like, for example, it was not just a health test. It was like a psychology test I took. I was like so out of it. But now since I prepared for this situation, because I know you can attest, Aaron, the practice was not like this about seven, eight years ago. It just took me to a new anxiety level I was not ready for. So I'm kind of bummed out about it because I try to put a lot of pressure on myself to do it, but uh, just not a great day. Well, I guess you can kind of take the podcast tonight as in the therapeutic realm, and uh, when yes. we get in, when we get into the minus area. I guess I'm gonna let you go full out heal tonight, and yeah, um, yeah. you can just turn turn negative into positive energy, as it will, just like the new day talks about every week. You know, right? Think positive. <laughs> the power Silly. of positivity. Silly. <laughs> <laughs> try to try I, the best I can. Yeah, man. I tell you what, if you take any uh, test in the government. Especially those, uh, uh, what do you call them? The knowledge, uh, knowledge reasoning testing. They do yeah. the same thing. You go to an offset proctoring. You have to put all your stuff in the locker. You have to like stand in front of like. Um, you have to take a picture. picture yep, I take a picture too. Check yep. your, 
check your pockets and um you know you sitting in these cubicles it's cold as i don't know what you're only allowed to bring you can't bring anything in there but your id I know that feeling, man. That's definitely one of those ones. And not to mention the the test that you got to take where it's like a line and it says A, B, 2, C, a whole bunch of just random stuff. And then it's like, make sense to this. (laughs) Right, exactly. And that's how I felt. It felt like, oh, my gosh. It's like when I prepared for it, it was no way the test I took. I tried to, didn't succeed, but... We're going, we're going to get it the next time when I take this. I, I'll get over yes, it. Sir, man, you absolutely will. No doubt about it, man. Well, I watched Tough Enough last night. Did you guys watch Tough Enough last night? Yes, sir. Yes, yes sir. They're really good. Yeah, yeah I should. I was a surprised. I was, too. Um, we'll, we'll start with the positives first. I have a lot of negatives to say about it, and I'll tell you why, um, just as a preface. So we had real rainy weather in my neck of the woods today, and... Um, my wife and I were home this afternoon, and we spent the better part of the afternoon watching season one of Tough Enough on the network, and this is from 2001. That's how long ago the first season was. So um, I'll kind of be comparing quite a bit to the first season compared to what we saw last night, but let's start with you two, James. Um, what was something that you really dug or you really enjoyed about this new format of Tough Enough? Um, I guess first I'm just going to go off with, uh, some statistics that... Um one, it pulled in over a million viewers, um, wow. which is really good for uh, a Tuesday night um, on USA Network at that. Right. Um, but um, I like, it's kind of cliche to say, but I do like the fact that I do really honestly feel like that I'm watching a real reality show. Um, right. I'm not a big advocate of reality shows, but... I feel like every reality show that try to step out of the, the the norm of reality shows aren't appealing to me after after a while. So you know, I like the whole the panels and the live, um, you know, how uh, people can affect what's happening on it and stuff like that. I'm really a big fan of it. But as far as uh, the new format, I guess um, the the one thing I mean, I, I like it. I like how only one person leaves a week. It kind of makes me worried that. Uh, at some weeks, they're going to have to be biased because they're going to have to come down to a point where only one and one person can win. But um, other than that, I enjoyed that. I thought it was a good episode. I like I like how you, you pretty much got a point to know everybody except for one person, which I was really saying to myself, like, um, they really haven't even gave this guy any camera time. And then at the end, uh, Paige was just like, you know, when they really didn't get anything from you this <laughs> episode. And I was thinking like, Yes, that's exactly what I'm thinking. So. Right, but um, I, I do like the three, uh, the three judges. I think they both have unique personalities, and uh, should be entertaining. What uh, what about you, Celis? Did you also dig the live format? I, I kind of was intrigued. Me and the wife had watched it, and I was kind of intrigued because first, when they came out, of course, you had Jericho who was hosting, which we all knew. But I was wondering how they was going to put it together. You said you was going to have Daniel Bryan there, Paige, and Hulk Hogan. And at first, when those three came out, I was like, oh, God, please don't let this be all about Hulk Hogan because he had his his uh, Titan Tron, you know, on the screen. You know, <laughs> I was like, please don't let this be a waste of 10 minutes on Hulk Hogan by himself about how great he is. But then as you got into it, I saw how they set it up, you know, having – uh, everybody showed what they did for the past week or maybe two weeks leading up to the point of the live show. 
and it had the judges critique. Um, the format was different, but I can get with it. Uh, like to change that, I like the way how they introduce the characters because the first thing my wife even said, and she's not a wrestling fan at all, she's like, wow, this person has a look. This person doesn't. This person looks like they can do something in the ring. This person doesn't. You know, she. it was all about the look for her. And uh, kind of what we had mentioned about, you know, maybe it was on the podcast or off the podcast, but it was actually us three talking. And we was wondering how they were going to select who were they were going to select. Was it going to be based off body types or did they have a certain type of look? Or was it going to be a diverse in characters? Um, so it was interesting to see how that original uh, setup was going to be. And I kind of liked how they flowed through it. Um, so that would be my positives first. I know you said you want to get to the negatives later, so I'll let you moderate on that, Aaron. But at least the setup of the show, I, I did get and understand after it flowed through for the whole hour, so it did work. Yeah, they definitely are going for more of like, I don't know how much American Idol you guys have watched in the past. <laughs> yes. You know, yes. But it, it yes. felt like that a little bit because you have the live voting aspect, which is in addition, I don't think, I, we might have had a little bit of that with the million dollar tough enough, the one that The Miz got runner up on to Daniel Pewter. But um, I like the voting aspect. Um, I like the live aspect, it was cool to see, like, Daniel Bryan tell a guy twice the size, like, I know I could smash you. You don't belong in my ring. Like, that was really cool. More more of that, please. And, um, I guess we can transition to negative shortly, but the, the part I missed uh, watching the old Tough Enough today when we were going back and watching the first season, I love watching them kind of get in the ring and the trainers show them, here's how you take a, a bump and here's how you do a hip toss. Right. And watching them go through that struggle because the only stuff they did physically on this episode were like physical exertion challenges at um, mm-hmm. was that the Orange Bowl or what was the, sta- the what was the stadium they were at there? Me and my wife were trying to figure it out because they had a purple in there and I know they was trying uh, to find it out. It was from uh, what was that where they had a uh, they were WrestleMania what WrestleMania uh, twenty four that was that the yeah. Orange Bowl. I don't know. I cannot remember. I'm sorry, but I can uh, research it right quick. I can I, I think I'm already looking it up right now. Yeah. But anyways, was, like, I'm pretty sure we're going to need to get some actual wrestling stuff yeah, going on here. Citrus, citrus Bowl. The Citrus Bowl. Thank you. Yeah. Is the Orange Bowl somewhere else then. It's not there. Actually, no. The Orange Bowl is torn down now because, remember, oh, the Orange is it? Bowl is where the new Miami Marlins Stadium is. Uh, oh, yeah, right. That's okay, right. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. Um, but, yeah, the... I, to, to stay on the positive note, I did enjoy the live format like you guys are talking about. I liked, um, like you said too, James, they kind of got to almost everyone. You got to know them a little bit. Like, I couldn't tell you everybody's names yet. The one guy that sticks out is that ZZ guy. And maybe yeah. maybe for the right reasons, maybe for the wrong reasons, but at least I've kind of related to him as um, a person and maybe a future character. I don't see the guy winning the thing at all. He's only 18 years old. Um but then again, Paige is 22, and she's already been on the main roster for over a year. And a champion. And a, and a two-time champion, yeah. Yep. yep. Well, I, would, I think when we get the crew together, I think we should all pick one person who we think is going to make it the whole way. That's a great idea. It's a great idea. But ZZ and does have charisma being a young guy, though. Yeah. He does have charisma. Whoever, whoever loses the worst... Well, let's see. I, we should make we should make stakes and everything for WrestleMania next year. <laughs> we, I think just just to if you heard our last episode, we just whatever we can get to get D Wayne in more KO gear. That's what we got to do. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yes, we should either yes. do whoever whoever character leaves first, or whoever character stays the longest, whatever it is. But um, I think I'm a fan question, of. Uh, go ahead, Mike. Okay, let me ask you real quick. 
Are you of Husky Harris? Little bit. He's got more of like a like a Cajun vibe to him. Like, um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on the. He's an old timer. Um, he looks like Bill Dundee a little bit with like the tooth necklace and the vest. Yep. Yep. A little bit like that, but yeah, I don't. He's definitely got to get in better shape, like they were saying, man. He couldn't oh, yes. even. I could have done some of those drills they were doing yesterday, but granted, I only weigh like 160 pounds. So, um, what were you gonna say, Two James? I was gonna say who did you, who? Uh, I was gonna say who I who did I like, but um, I'm, I'm getting confused now. ZZ was the when that was 19. He, I think he's 18. 18. He's 18. the one that wrestles Gators. Yeah, wait a minute. He was the last person to finish the challenge. I thought that was somebody else. No, he, he was, was the last person finished. Yeah, dead last. And all of the challenges, uh-huh. except for the when they went back and forth hitting the ropes. Yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, um, that's probably gonna take me episodes to start remembering some people by names. But it was one, it was one diva that just seems to have a lot of. Uh, camera charisma and did really good at her challenge. So I'm gonna have to go look it up. I was pretty high on her. Is that the um, one that wanted to go home? Oh no. Oh okay. I was, oh, no. was it the oh, one that no. was giving her a hard time that she wanted to go home? Yeah. The darker skin yeah. girl. I'm I'm kind of pulling for her a little bit too. Like uh, you know that that type of person. You know, you you kind of look at it. I don't know if you guys watch the Bad Girls Club, but you kind of look at that person <laughs> kind of like always trying to start stuff. And you're looking like, right. oh, she's not going to be in here long. Yeah. But I, I, so far, I'm liking what she's dishing out. And she's been straight on about it. Like, you know, if you call somebody out about something that's true, then, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. It's like um, the dude Patrick, who's from Washington, D.C. Yes. He yes. kept calling out He kept calling out uh, the other guy that kept beating all the charges. He was just like, look, man, we know what you're going to do. You're going to get here to get the pop, to get the fame, and you're going to go right back to the UFC. And everybody was silent because everybody was just like, "Yeah, that that seems to that could be a big possibility." So is is Patrick you know. the one that um he like is the only one that knew anything about wrestling? Did you guys watch yeah. the casting special at all on network? Yeah, yeah, uh, and he's the one in the hot tub. Yeah, he's the yeah. he's my favorite one because he's the only one that has any wrestling knowledge at all, and he like was mad that I remember on the casting special that people weren't there that like didn't know anything about the business at all and. That, that's the guy I'm pulling for. I'm going to rep DC with you guys here. Yeah, yep. it seemed like you could do some great heel work. Like, when when you did that, with that, I guess that mini feud or arguments that was going on between him and Tanner, who's been winning all the challenges, it just seemed like Patrick is just so passionate about the business, like you said, and that brings out the best characters. Like, everybody always says, the best characters are your real personalities turned all the way up. Yep. And if he can bring that to the ring, as well as his overall character, I think he could be a runaway early favorite, in my opinion. For sure, man. I agree. You guys uh, you guys ready to complain a little bit now? <laughs> just a little. Just a little. I didn't have many, but just a little. Let's do it. Uh, let's start with you. Um, we'll let Celis go first, since he kind of had a rough day. <laughs> well, my first complaint is, now, I believe the judges and coaches should be, should be the same person. Because you're getting Billy Gunn and Booker T doing all this coaching work. And Lita. It seems like they have no vote on the judging. And you're only watching the judging point from Daniel Bryan, Hulk, and Paige from what everybody else sees. That's really hard to tell. Uh, can they really see who's passionate? Who's taking the serious? Who's doing all the real work? I, I really think if you're going to make them the judges... 
make them part of these courses or make them part of these drills. Even Chris Jericho, when you saw Stone Cold do it when they brought it back before, Stone Cold was in everybody's faces just like every other coach. And I think that's what brought the great atmosphere. So that part is my major but small complaint that I wish the judges could be more involved in the coaching process. Couldn't agree with you more, man. Um, the guy that got eliminated, I think his name was Hank. Uh, yep. He was among the bottom three. And yeah, like you said, those judges could only evaluate the part that the producers chose to put on TV, yes. which is not the full story. My uh, my wife was watching it with me. She was a big fan of the season with Stone Cold a couple years back. Mm-hmm. And um, when Hank made the comment about he's the least fit guy here, even after the girls, and she's like, wait, what's he saying, that girls can't be fit? And Paige picked on him for that point, which she had every right, right. to do because it was offensive the way he said it. Right. But then like they let the fans vote for who they want to save, and, like, that one comment, not anything to do with in-ring production or physical fitness or anything, that one comment, I think, is what got that guy eliminated, and it feels more like a popularity contest than who can wrestle and who's tough enough. Um, That's what I love so much about the very first season we were watching today. Like, Mm -hmm. you saw those guys learning how to take the bumps every day. Um, They're working on their promos, working on their fitness, and, like, you could tell throughout the episode it would make sense objectively, like, this person needs to go. They can't cut the mustard anymore. Right. And, yeah, that was really I, – I hope that they kind of get more of a technical aspect brought to it and focus more on the in-ring work and the promo work because right now it's kind of a popularity contest which doesn't separate itself as far as it needs to be from something like American Idol or like The Voice mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Two chains. What what else do, would you uh, have to gripe about for the new version of Tough Enough? To piggyback off what you guys were saying, I feel like if um, the judges can only see what we can see, then I totally agree with what you guys were saying. But I don't feel like that's true. I feel like that the judges are getting ahead upon the director's cut, where they actually do get to intervene a little bit better and see what we can see. Um, obviously, this dialogue between the hosts, judges, and trainers that we're not going to be aware of. So that kind of gives us the delusion that, oh, although this is live, you know, we think they only can see this, but they really ain't. So opinions and uh, decisions are ultimately eliminations can be swayed to a point that we may be a little, like, delusional of it. Like, how did y'all come up with that? Like, we didn't see that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so, definitely um, possible. Or the producers are kind of feeding them a little bit, too. That's also another way. Yep. Um but I think my negative ultimately is um, not not really so big. Um, um, Lita being the trainer, but really only in one scene, if I can remember. Oh, very true. Very true. Um, two two guys and one girl. I also thought that was kind of funny. Why not just have another another uh, diva, a former diva, to be in there? You know, go two and two. It's not going to hurt anything. But yeah. you know, let's 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 preach equality. They did that um, in the first the con- in the first season. That's how they did it because it was um, Tori and Miss Jackie, and then they had Al Snow and Taz. Yep, sure yep. Did. And um, you know, as far as with the contract, you know, one female or one male went for the same amount. So why not have everything just be straight down to put equality? You know? Yeah, for sure, man. So, but and um, I like the way how they're doing it too, having one one each, well, a male winner and a female winner. Yep. But the Danetta, uh, you know, it was a pretty decent first episode. I, I enjoyed it. Um, probably give it a probably give it another watch again today. But other than that, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I I mean, like I like I said, overall, I definitely enjoyed it. It was a very quick uh, 
hour of television, I guess, like I, I go back to what I was saying before, I don't like that the focus wasn't as much on the in-ring product. They, don't, they almost made looking like um, how they learned to run the ropes, which I've from what I've seen on previous seasons of Tough Enough and just what I've heard, first when you first start taking um, the ropes, like it hurts really bad and you get tons of welts on your mm-hmm. sides. And they just kind of made it look like, oh, this is just something that's easy. Like, maybe they taught those guys how to run the ropes before we what we saw on that challenge. I don't know. But that's just, I like seeing them learn how to wrestle. Um, besides that, I, I guess I wasn't clear because my wife and I watched the replay because we went to the movies last night. They re-ran Tough Enough at uh, 11 Eastern. So we watched the replay and we were under the assumption that we could vote like all week. And they would cut the voting off or something, and then we found out on Raw or next week's Tough Enough who was kicked off. But that wasn't the right. case. They You vote for, like, three-minute commercial break or whatever it was, and then that's it. Yep. Yep. Which, I guess, forces you to watch it live, but I don't know. Yeah. I kind of wish that the voting would have been more clear. At least that makes sense, you know? Like, you have to watch it at all in order for you to vote. You can't be biased and just vote straight from the beginning. Yeah, this is true. And you can't have, like, on American Idol, people will, like, vote for someone that really isn't that good, like the Sanjaya season, just to mess with the show. Like, there's a whole site dedicating to ruining American Idol, and they'll tell people, like, (laughs) vote for this terrible person. And uh, so I guess maybe it keeps the smarks away from ruining the show a little bit. Right. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, let me ask you guys this to kind of wrap up. Um, unless you guys had any more big negatives we can get to. Well, I wanted to ask you this. Based on what you saw, do you think there's a future main roster talent on this show as a contestant right now? Two change, you want to go first on this one? Yeah, uh, short answer. It depends on, it depends on a couple of things. Uh, if we're looking at physique... And, you know, that list that we feel like we can, um, you know, manipulate or characterize. Yeah. yeah. So there's definitely there's definitely a, a male talent there on that note. As far as uh, women, with no question, with most of their backgrounds, we have women's champions and we have divas champions in that roster. Where a lot of them have uh, MMA backgrounds. So some of them just has that diva look. So no question there's talent on this roster. Uh as far as the look, but we haven't been we haven't been given opportunity yet to see um, you know what their air ring skills are. Besides a few that stood out, and even then, you know, uh, just like Patrick made a point, just because you win every challenge doesn't mean that you're the best wrestler. Yeah, right. So you know, so, he makes it with that with that mindset. It's like I'm, I'm rooting for the hometown boy right now because I mean, yeah. he was taking words right out of my mouth, and I was just like, you know, that's. That's exactly how I feel. Like, it doesn't mean that you can run up steps fast. It's like, you know, within every sport, you have that one person that just succeeds in one challenge way better. That doesn't make him the best overall athlete on the team. I agree. You know, I, used teams, to, I agree, too. I, I used to kill the suicides when I used to play basketball. <laughs> but I would never say <laughs> tell you I was the best basketball player. Gosh, I haven't done one of those in years, and I don't have any intention of starting now. <laughs> I hate sprinting. I'm a distance runner. But yeah, I agree too, James. I mean, you you put it right on the head. Um, the looks are there for just about everyone, and the charisma that stood out was for Zizi, because of course everybody remembers his name. 
But however, it, it all boils down to can you tell the story in the ring and can you do a promo? We haven't seen that yet. I know the season's about 10, 11 weeks. Um, they'll have the chance, hopefully, to, to do that. Maybe not just on recordings of previous things they did during the week, but let's see what they can do in a live audience, you know, why they got their ring set up, why the judges are in the ring. Sell a story. Prove a point. Um, what can they do? So I, I'm really looking forward to see that. Like I said, Patrick, the hometown D.C. guy, is an early favorite. I do like the charisma of ZZ, but the conditioning got to be there. But you got some other wrestlers that have some great looks about what they can do. And hopefully not only will they or the future winner will win, I hope that future winner can legitimately be somebody that can be long-term in the WWE because I think out of all our tough enough winners, nobody has made it all the way for a long-term WWE career. Even Maven, when he won um, that first season, Mm -hmm. he did not last long. Uh, He had his Royal Rumble appearance. You know, I think he held a title once, if I can remember. Hardcore title. Yep, it was very short-term. So I just hope somebody can win and have a legitimate career because you've got people like Ryback. People like The Miz that came in second, third, runner-up, so even not even in the last pickings, they had a longer career. There's one one winner that did have a long run, um, John Hennigan. You probably know him better as Johnny Mundo or John Morrison. He did win. Uh, yes, yes, he, he was did. a co-winner on season two or three. I want to admit probably uh, season three. Right. It was him and uh, Matt Capitelli that won that season. And Matt Capitelli you know, passed away, right? Uh Dad, I'm not sure of. That's okay. I'm looking at it right now, and uh, looks to be alive. Looks to be alive. Okay, I don't know why I thought he had passed away. I don't mean to cut him off if he hasn't. No, yeah. Um, um, I actually like uh when Maven won the hardcore title. That's I forget what pay per view it is, but I randomly stumbled across that because I don't know if y'all remember when I posted that video of the hurricane. Yes. Oh gosh. <laughs> that was yes. one of my favorites. <laughs> they should bring that back. I love the hardcore title. They won't during the PG era, but I. Uh, they can't. I'll go back and watch like the twenty four seven rule and just have like, I think WrestleMania eighteen. If you go back and watch that, they have like seven or eight hardcore title changes. Yes. And one of them, like I remember, there was one time I think it was Gerald Briscoe. He pinned someone with it, and they, while they were sleeping, and the ref had to like do the three count <laughs> super quiet. <laughs> yeah. He did a quiet count. I was um. I was going back and researching some of the old seasons of Tough Enough. Like, if you go on Wikipedia, the first season, only three people have links to their own Wikipedia page because most people just washed out of wrestling after they lost on that show. You might remember the first season was Maven, Josh Matthews, who's still in the business as a play-by-play guy in TNA now, Um, Chris Nowinski, who founded his Concussion Institute. He actually had a good thing going with his Harvard character on Raw for... A short minute there before the concussions kind of caught up with him. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Nydia, who they just did a really interesting article about on WWE.com. I guess she's raising two kids now and married. Wow, okay. And um, it, what was interesting, we were watching the very first episode. They did the casting at um, their old restaurant in WWE, yes. uh, WWF New York in Times Square. Yes. And one of the uh, people who made the first cut of 25 was a young ODB. Yes, it was. I remember that because I watched it a couple of weeks ago and I saw ODB was up there. And some other some other talents I just recently learned were on Tough Enough. Um, do you know Kenny King was on there? Mm-hmm. Well, oh, I didn't know that. Did not know that. And then the, the Stone Cold season, do you remember um, Cameron? Currently Cameron, yeah, WWE she was a contestant on it. She was terrible. Her, her terrible. favorite match was the uh, Alicia Fox versus Melina was her favorite match at the time. Yep. 
she did an interview recently and she said she still gets made fun of all the time about that. <laughs> oh man, but she's come a long way just from that. Like her, even her charisma, not her in ring work, but just by her being a, a spotlight. But she's off Total Divas now, so I'm not sure where, where she's going to be ended up now. But yeah. it's been a long way from what the Stone Cold season. It's going to be interesting to see how many of these divas currently on the main roster that aren't doing a whole lot, how long they stick around because you have all these awesome NXT divas killing it. They're got to be bringing some of those up soon. Yeah, you got this influx of. Tough enough talent, whoever you know, whoever sticks around. I think about talents like Rosa Mendez or Cameron. Um, I would put Summer Rae in that conversation, but it seems like they're kind of teaming her up with Rusev now. So, But uh, I think we'll probably see our future Endeavors train get going here a little bit more as we head further into 2015. You know, we've been knocking on wood with that future Endeavors, you know, for a couple of years. Because normally after Mania, you have your biggest cuts. And people have been missing those cuts for the past couple of years because I've been waiting for Zack Ryder to get that future Endeavor call. He's still hanging around. Well, he's tagging with, um, oh gosh, Mojo Raleigh on all the NXT live shows now. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so he's kind the of doing, Yeah, they're, they're getting, they're called, what, they're, they have like a name now. I read it recently. It's called like Stay Zacked and Hyped or I don't know what they call themselves, but I like it. It gives Mojo Raleigh yeah. kind of a veteran guy to play off of. I think that's a good thing for him. He needs it. Yeah. He really needs it. Yeah. Can I, real quick, before we wrap up, 2 Chains, you had the chance to watch NXT. We're recording this on Wednesday evening uh, during Impact. Did they, um, don't don't spoil it for me, but did they follow up with the uh, Kevin Owens-Samoa Joe thing on NXT tonight? Um, Kevin Owens came out, typical heelist. He, uh, jacked up, um, What's my man name on commentary? Uh, Saxon, Byron Saxon. Brian Saxon, yeah. Jacked him up. Told him he was going to take his job because he does it better than him. Um, he he pretty much uh, did his side commentary for the uh, Finn Balor Rhino match. Um, was Joe even typical, on the show tonight? Uh, well, it was typical match. Pretty much start off. Uh, uh, Finn Balor picked up the win. Um, but before the win, um, Kevin Owens tried to interfere. He got knocked off the side of the, uh, the ring. Um, then he picked up the win and then, uh, they both getting, uh, both Rhino and, uh, Kevin Owens, uh, landed attacks on Finn Balor. Then, uh, Samojo came out to the ring to even up the odds and to ultimately probably set up, you know, a two on two tag team match before, uh, July 4th. Uh, so, like, I'm trying to figure out where Joe fits into all this because they still are building it as a one-on-one title match. Probably not going to add Joe to it. Like, yeah. I'm just trying to figure out, does Joe cost him the title? Does Cena cost him the title? It's just a lot of guys want a piece of Kevin Owens. It would be really interesting to see how they can work that into maybe a, a real big tag match at SummerSlam because we already have Cena Owens 3 at Battleground where we can go with maybe getting uh, Joe and Balor and Cena as a team of three versus Kevin Owens and whoever he could find. I'm guessing, I don't know if they'd put Rhino on a SummerSlam at this point, but um, I guess this way, you could do a fantasy book in this way. If let's say you have Kevin Owens wins at Battleground, the U.S. title, Samoa Joe could come out after that to start a feud for the U.S. title, maybe put that on a SummerSlam and maybe take Cena off and feud him somewhere else or maybe make him the special guest referee, you know? 
to see if these two really got talent. You know, something like that if you want to do something uh, just to take Tina off the belt and, and keep it on Owens and keep him hot while bringing Samoa up, just as an option. Yeah, I also love how um, Cena takes that pop-up powerbomb onto the ring apron and he's back after a week. <laughs> do it to Sami Zayn and the guys off TV for a couple months. I just think it kind of <laughs> kind of says a little bit about what the creative team thinks of John Cena. But I I digress. We'll let our yes. friend D Wayne rail on Cena on his next Monster Files again. Uh, we definitely need to do another D Wayne Monster Files though. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> yes it was. Oh man. Well, I think that's gonna wrap up our plus minus for tonight. Um. We'll catch you guys on the next segment. Take care. So again, yeah, we had planned on a second uh, segment there with the TNA Slammiversary preview, but again, none of us felt the energy or felt compelled to bring that to you. I hope you'll forgive us if that's something you were looking forward to, but um, I'm going to go ahead and assume that most of you aren't looking forward to TNA Slammiversary, nor should you. With all due respect to the great talent they have there, I think it just looks more and more each week like a company that is on its way out. I read that Magnus and James Storm are both exiting the company, which is a shame. Uh, Magnus going on to Brighter Pastures with Global Force Wrestling, James Storm. Um, not sure what he's going to be doing as his next step, but moving forward, uh, you can expect uh, our regular midweek episode coming up sometime midweek, as the name implies. We'll be giving uh, definitely a preview of WWE's July 4th Beast from the East special uh, on July 4th on the WWE Network. I'm sure we'll be talking Raw, we'll be talking Ring of Honor a little bit. I have some gripes with Ring of Honor's TV product from last week that I will get into, as well as uh, whatever the fallout happens to be from Slammiversary. Sounds like it's going to be very minimal since they've already taped their television for the subsequent several weeks uh, following Slammiversary. So for the rest of the crew, this is Aaron. We'll catch you guys on our midweek episode. Take care. This has been another production of the Big Goat Belt Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at BGB Group or on Facebook, facebook.com slash biggoldbelt. Email us at biggoldbeltgroup at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.